Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I know my hunger cues and I know where my body's at. So I'm able to do that. But now in society, like this intuitive eating push that's going on, a lot of people don't have the right hunger signaling going on. Their hunger signaling is really skewed because of their lifestyle or their previous dieting. Uh, There's a lot of things. I mean, even there's a lot of studies out there supporting like your gut microbiome influencing sugar cravings and things like that. So, um, a lot of people's hunger signaling is really skewed, especially those that do not sleep enough. So, uh, you can't always rely on that. That's something I just do myself personally, because I'm at a place where I can do that. Uh, and I understand a lot about food, but for a lot of the general population that is looking to, um, maybe lose weight or maintain, Uh, I I don't necessarily suggest that right off the bat until you know that your hunger signaling is accurate. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed trainer and health coach, Connie Nightingale. We discussed the importance of recovery and sleep, implementing a coffee detox, obstacles that get in the way of optimizing your health, along with tips to get more protein in your diet, intuitive eating, best way to get fat adapted, and her one tip to get your body back to what it once was. This is the second time around with Connie. She has a ton of great actionable tips. I really enjoyed this interview. I know you will too. And thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have personal trainer, health coach, Connie Nightingale. Welcome to the show, Connie. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Second time around, but it's been a while. And uh, I'm excited to have you on health coach and trainer like myself, we're going to try to touch on a lot of relevant issues to get your results. Um, but I, it's been a little while, Connie, what have you been up to, um, as far as training and health coaching and even for your personal, um, goals? Oh boy. It's always a crapshoot with me. I'm always up to something new. Uh, so I actually recently just took a couple of months off from basically any training. I was moved my strength training down to two times a week, full body workouts, mm-hmm. stop cycling, all that kind of stuff, because I'm the kind of person I have to really regulate myself when it comes to training. Cause I start writing checks that my body can't cash. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was definitely time. I was seeing some signs of some overtraining and I was like, you know, I pulled the plug on all my adventures, my training adventures. Cause I had a couple races I was entered in. And I said, you know what? It's not worth it. My health comes first. I'm checking out. So I took a couple of months off, just did some full body strength training, compound movements, and just took it easy, which was really, really nice. Um, back in the spring we did, I did my first Spartan race, which was really, really fun. Uh, (laughs) my, my husband's big into those. He does the big ones. Uh, and so I thought I would just kick it off with one of the short ones, which was a lot of fun. So we're planning to do that in the fall. Um, I recently ramped my bike training back up again now after taking that break. So I am planning on doing um, a couple hundred milers Ooh. here in the fall uh, 
depending on if my training goes well and stuff, I'm, I'm not entering in anything until the last minute to make sure that my training's on point and that I'm feeling good. So, um, got a big Spartan race planned, uh, the week before the bike race, because I'm going to do the big one now because we're all trying as a family, we're going to try to get all the trifectas in. So anyway, that's kind of what we're up to keeping active, spending time outdoors, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And the Spartan races, are those every like few months or, and are they all over the country? Yeah, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, and it just, you have to try to time it when there's one kind of close, I guess you can travel obviously to go to those things, mm. but there's a, I mean, but between all the entry fees and the whole family doing them right. and stuff like that, I mean, my 14 year old's really big into it at this point. Um, he wasn't even really trying and he ended up placing really high in his last age group. So now he's like, he's got the blinders on to go out and win one of those things. So oh, wow. uh, it gets a little expensive when all these uh, fitness things become a family adventure. You start throwing $160 entry fees yeah. at times everybody and it ends up being a little bit too much. So we try to stay as local as possible. So whenever one comes local, you know, within four or five hours away, that's when we usually jump on it and go do it. Yeah. And I, and I love that you're doing that because I think that it's such a motivating thing when you have something on the calendar to work towards, it's like, it could be, well, it could be a wedding or it could be a Spartan race. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it's, it's so, I love getting out there and having my kids do these things with me and having them see us like go out there and try our best and prepare for it and, you know, train and do all that stuff. It's really a lot of fun. And, and, and I'm happy that I'm passing that on to my kids. Everybody looks at my son and they're like, man, he's jacked. Like what's going on. And it's like, <laughs> listen, he's been watching me work yeah. out since he was little and he's been doing pull-ups since he was little. And like, mm -hmm. and by the time all of his friends catch a clue and they start working out in high school, he's already going to be far behind beyond all of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, lead by example, right? Um, exactly. And, um, and then you touched on another point that I think is important to bring up too, and that's overtraining. Um, was this just something you felt you just could tell signs in, in your body and your mind that you just needed to scale back a little bit? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, that's one thing I've learned, Brian is like, um, I've learned what overdoing it looks like and I don't really want to go to those places because it's really not a good situation. And it was funny. My training rides got slower. My recovery got worse. Uh, I would take like three days off and I still wouldn't be recovered. It felt like I was towing a boat anchor anchor around with me when I was riding. And I was wow. like, I was like, you know, there's something up. I need a break. And I was right because after taking a couple months off and jumping back on the bike, I was like super strong. So I was like, well, obviously that was what it was. And that's something that we have a little bit of a hard time doing as an athlete or a trainer, or even somebody that's just into fitness is listening to our body. Sometimes we want to poo poo it and be like, nah, I'm just being lazy today. I just don't feel All it right. today. But sometimes your body's really telling you something and you've got to listen to it. Yeah. Those off days are just as beneficial as those on days. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. And you know, another thing I've learned in my, in my age, I guess, is that, uh, you know, sleep is, is so, so important. And I think of all of the years that I spent waking up early, mm. even if it, I didn't get enough sleep just so that I could get my workout in and it just ruined my training. And, and now that I'm, um, 
self-employed and I kind of set my own schedule and all these things, I sleep in, I make sure I get nine hours of sleep every mm. single day, no matter what. And if I can't get that nine hours of sleep, I will skip a workout. And that might seem like a cop out, but it's really not because you can only do as well as you can recover and sleep is part of that equation. Yeah. I, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Sleep's like the number one principle and you do bring up a good point because, uh, for maybe a busy working mom or dad, uh, you want to stay healthy and work out, but you also, you know, how early to get up. I mean, you know, nine hours, like I think key is finding what's optimal for you. Like for me, I'm good with probably seven and a half, eight is what I strive for. Um, but what, what that could mean if, if you still want to get your workouts in is maybe just going to bed earlier. And if you still got to get up early to get that workout, and if you, cause you know, as we know, if you wait till later in the day, things happen, you make excuses and it, you know, then you end up not doing anything. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I, there's so many times it happened to me yesterday. We got back from camping and I was like, I'm going to get on the bike. I got to get 20 miles in today. Cause typically Tuesday is my rest day. Uh, and I was like, you know, I got home and we got done unpacking all of our camping stuff and it was hot out and the wind was blowing. And I was like, I'm going to bed early and waking mm -hmm. up early and you're going to hit my workout in the morning because, uh, you know, but I, that is one thing that I'm very meticulous about is my sleep. And I literally have my, my sleep calendar set up on my phone and it tells me when it's time to go to bed so that I can wake up at whatever time is necessary. And like last night I went to bed at eight o'clock so I could wake up super early, jump on my bike and then come home and get on this podcast with you. <laughs> I hope I didn't affect your sleeping patterns. <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you have a, like a sleep? I'm a big routine guy. Do you have a sleep routine? You know, no, I don't really. Um, okay. we do start to wind down at my house about seven o'clock. We make sure that we've got everything kind of taken care of. Mm. Um, and then for us, you know, we've got a, the kids. So my daughter, we read with her. So, I mean, kind of a sleep yeah. routine, if you think about mm -hmm. it, it's a half an hour before bedtime and we go and we start reading and stuff. And then typically, um, I try to make sure that my electronics are off an hour before bedtime, because man, one thing I learned, I, now this is the weirdest thing, but it, it just is what it is. Right. I used to make like Instagram posts, informational posts, like at mm -hmm. night. And I, I noticed that it was affecting my sleep because, you know, mm. the reward system in the brain, I couldn't uh, wait to wake up in the morning and see if anybody had commented oh, on it and it. asked questions so that I could answer it, you yeah. know? And I was like, I am never, ever posting on social media about anything ever again at nighttime. It's got to be in the morning uh, <laughs> because, you know, it would ruin my sleep. It's so weird how subliminally I'm not any vain person and like, Ooh, see if somebody right. commented with, you know, <laughs> but it's like literally subliminally your brain wants that reward hit from it or something. Well, yeah. And I noticed that if I post something at night, my brain doesn't let me sleep because it's wondering what people are going to say about it. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even just, yeah, even just the act of posting at night, uh, can keep you up just the blue light and things like that. But you definitely got a, a sleep routine. I mean, I think you've made some good points. One is maybe winding down with, you know, some type, you know, reading or uh, actually I, I just moved and we put, I, I was luckily, I put an infrared sauna in. And so I'm starting to get benefits of that. Um, I've been trying to do that closer to bed and that, that'll, that'll help you go to sleep 
um, as well. But reading, winding down. Um, what about in the morning now? So are you doing your, so you're, you're valuing obviously sleep. Are you doing your workouts now that you're back, getting back into a little bit in the mornings or when do you, when do you normally do them? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as soon as I wake up, this is kind of weird. Some people might not do this. Well, I do it great. I literally pop out of bed, throw my stuff on, jump on my bike. I mean, within waking up, I'm on the bike in like 15 minutes. (laughs) It's like, I don't mess around with like trying to wake up or anything like that. I don't drink coffee. I don't eat anything. I make sure that I have 25 ounces of water on me. I drink that you know, in my work during my workout, I try to have my first 25 ounces of water down. Um, and then when I get home is when I'll sit down and kind of do my morning routine with my coffee, check my emails, check in on my clients, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, first of all, there are, are some things out there saying that it's not real great to expose yourself to coffee first thing in the morning because right. your cortisol levels are already high. So I try to stay away from that. I like to work out fasted anyway. I think that's a healthy thing for me. It may not be for everybody, but I do really well with it. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, trying to make sure that I don't get right on my phone in the morning, the first thing when I wake up either. So I don't waste any time in the morning. I literally, my alarm goes off. I jump out of bed, throw my stuff on and hit the road. And it's, it's a, I guess that's my little morning routine with that. Yeah. I think that's great because I'm sort of the same way I'll get up I don't go for a ride, but I'll go for a walk with my dogs and we just do it right away. And it's such a great way to start the day and see the sun. Um, also, you, you mentioned a great point. And actually, I just talked about it on a, on a micro podcast that I did about coffee. And yeah, optimally, you, do, you don't want to have coffee right away, like you mentioned. Let your natural circadian rhythms wake you up. Cortisol levels will rise. Um, and you want to wait until you have that first morning cup. One of the things I found out about coffee researching, 80% of Americans, uh, drink coffee. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's a common thing. And one of the things I mentioned was making sure that you give good whole bean organic coffee as well. Mm-hmm. They sprayed with ton of pesticides, but anyways, I just talked about that, but, um, it's a, it's a relevant issue. No, people don't realize how nasty coffee actually is. You're just like, yeah. you're, drinking straight toxic mold and <laughs> pesticides and chemicals. And, and my husband makes fun of me. He's always like, he won't drink my fancy coffee. This is like one thing that we don't agree really? on. Right. He's, he's like, no, I'm not going to drink your fancy expensive coffee. This is, that's stupid. You know? And he always buys his own coffee and it's some mm. cheap crap. And I'm like, listen, dude, I've got my little espresso machine in the morning. It's like a part of my ritual. I get my fancy organic yeah. pesticide free mold free coffee. And I make myself an espresso and he makes fun of me over. And I'm like, listen, this is my thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Think of it too. I mean, most people are sipping on coffee. They're having it throughout the day. I mean, why would you want something that's toxic like that? All you know, anyways. Um, so yeah, so if there's a message, buy whole or get what kind of beans do you get? Do you just get them local or? Um, it depends. I mean, know. there's a there's a couple local roasters around here. Um, you know, bare minimum, I make sure that I get some kind of organic something. Gotcha. I'm not real choosy when it comes to the brand and the, <laughs> you know, I, I just like, Oh, this looks good. Okay. What, like there right. is a, um, there is some, ah, it's some kind of rainforest, something at uh local Fred Meyer here. That's totally organic and they have decaf, which 
Yeah. I drink a lot of decaf coffee because I absolutely love coffee. I'm not necessarily yeah. that person. Yeah. I'm not that person that drinks it for the caffeine actually, which is ridiculous. I just love the taste and smell of coffee. Maybe it's my early life programming. Um, but the mm. problem is, is since I'm self-employed and I'm in front of the computer all the time working on client stuff and programs and all these things, I, I find myself being really guilty of constantly drinking coffee. And it's so bad because I know that that caffeine is just going to crush my adrenals if I sit there and drink a ton of caffeine all day long and right. ruin my sleep. So I I make sure I always have decaf on hand for that that time when I'm like, oh, I just want to sit here with my coffee and, and look at my paperwork. <laughs> so uh, I do a lot of decaf too, which is really... A, a good little thing for me to keep me away from the caffeine. Yeah. And that's another great point is you want to take a sort of a, a detox or a rest, a caffeine rest, let your body reset your adrenals and everything else. Cause you don't want to necessarily feel like you have to rely on it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm glad I'm not reliant on coffee. I actually went a whole year without drinking any coffee at all. Uh, when I first got out on my bodybuilding shows and I was like super, my adrenals were just totally messed up. I was totally messed up. Uh, I stopped all of the stimulants and stuff because yeah. man, through, throughout contest prep, I was just hammering them and I didn't realize how bad I was screwing myself up until I had to go off of it. And it mm. took a long time to reset. It wasn't just like, oh, I... I got off for a week and then I was fine. No, it took a long, long time. And so I took a complete hiatus from coffee for like a solid year, which sucked because every time I'd smell it, I was just like, I need coffee, but I was on good behavior and I got it out of my life for a little while. Yeah. I mean, a whole year, I was going to say a week, but a year that's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know you do a lot of coaching, a lot of like programming. So I'm curious to learn like you know, how you do do that to optimize each client? Because obviously, you know, every everyone's different. We all obviously know that. Um, what is what are, before maybe we get into that? What are some of the obstacles that you find get in people's way um, that prevents them from like taking action? You know, there's a lot of things. I feel like a lot the number one thing people use as an excuse to finding optimal health is their finances. Hmm. And that's such a hard one, right? I hear in every way, shape and form. I hear, I can't afford to eat good, clean food. I can't afford to get the proper lab testing done. I can't afford to hire a coach. I can't, but there are so many things that you can do without affording all. I mean, seriously, just switch your food over because this stuff's going to cost you later. And that's the thing people don't realize is that they'll eat all this crap and this cheap garbage now. And they they say they can't afford to eat good, healthy, organic food, yet they are paying $100 a month for prescriptions and they're paying for doctor's visits. And then right. guess what? Those doctor's visits aren't fixing the problems. They're still tired and obese and struggle to lose weight or sleep well. You know, there's so many things that you're, you may not be paying for them financially, but you're also paying for them physically. So I think, uh, you know, finances happens to be one of the biggest obstacles with people. Um, the other thing is, it's just society in general, right? You see somebody making that step to try to get more healthy and your peers are like, oh, ha ha. They, everybody wants to make fun of it, right? <laughs> they, they, they think that you're, you're foo-foo because you want to have that organic coffee. But the thing is, is 
you are preserving your own health. And at one point you're going to have to put your people, your, all your peers opinions aside and worry about you because, you know, I, I, I find that some people too, out of spite, they, they want to make fun of you because they know deep down inside that they need to be doing the same thing, but maybe mm. they don't have the willpower or the means to get it started. And so it's easier for them to be like, ha ha, gluten-free, you're funny. You know, when really, I mean, you, you can't, you can't make it sound like you can't have certain things. I think, you know, more or less being like, nah, I don't eat that because I don't like the way it makes me feel. Um, or I don't do this because I don't like the way it makes me feel. I think kind of turning it around and, and not, not making it sound like you're in some restrictive form of eating or lifestyle. Yeah. And, and the first thing you brought up was money. And I feel like, I mean, obviously that's an excuse, right? I think we can, you can always find a way to, to, to have a healthier option. But I, I think most importantly for a lot of people, in, including myself, when it comes to other things, maybe like business and things like that, is having a coach is so important. And I just think people, um, because first of all, there's so much information out there about eating healthy. And I think mo for the most part, people understand if they see an apple or a piece of steak versus uh, white bread or a donut, they know like, okay, what's right and what's wrong. But what they don't, what they don't have is they don't have that coach or that accountability partner to make sure that they're staying on track because, you know, it's the information's out there, but hiring a coach is expensive as it might be. That's how you really get results. And I know maybe I'm being biased. <laughs> no, I but mean, I think the that's truth. That's yeah. the, that, you know, and me, like the reason I got into this is because I love it and I love helping people change their lives. I, I love helping people get out of ruts and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, back when I very first got into this stuff and I wasn't like doing it as a business or anything, I would give away services all the time. And I would right. help people for nothing all the time. And what I found is that when I would help people for nothing, they would not put any energy into it. It was like, I would put out time and hours into coming up with these nice meal plans and workouts and all these things for people. And then they wouldn't end up doing it right. because they didn't have anything invested in it. No skin and in I, the game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think that you have to have some things invested. So I can't tell you how many people approach me or I, or I, I see, like I had a lady recently send me her labs and she's like, well, what do you think? Why can't I lose weight? Well, I saw everything was marked within normal limits, but what I saw was something completely different. And let me tell you what, she needed a lot of help. And I told her, I said, Hey, I'd be happy to help you. Here's what my fee is, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she was like, Oh, Oh, you're going to charge me. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, you know, first right. of all, I have a lot of money invested in my education. Uh, also if, if you don't invest something in it, then what are you going to put back? Like, how are you right. going to hold yourself responsible? I mean, there's a very few people that will, but for the most part, if people don't have skin in the game, they don't stick to what they need to do. No, it's a great point. And you also, as far as like being able to afford health, I mean, um, you talk about, I had Brad Kearns on, he talked about, um, you know, you can buy things that are healthy that aren't that expensive. Um, you even just talk about like sardines, herring, mussels, you know, these are things you can get and, you know, like they're not that expensive and, um, yeah, you'll save a ton of money. He calls them like the smash, 
Uh, and I, I, th- I don't know if I hit on all of them, anchovy, sardines, herring, mussels, maybe I'm missing one, but, uh, either way, those are affordable things. And how about even just good eggs, you know, Yeah. I mean, so it, you don't always have to buy grass fed ribeye, right? <laughs> no, as much as we'd like to, right. I like, yeah, I like, yeah. Definitely. No. And eggs. I mean, I tell people that all the time. They're like, a, I eat so many eggs. It's crazy. Thank God I have chickens because uh, I don't, I don't know. My egg bill would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, local farmer's market I go to, we get, we, we get eggs from them and yeah, it's not expensive. And, you know, when you talk about macros, I know you do, um, you know, you put plans together for people. Are there certain macronutrients that you're looking for, or is there a certain percentage that you look, uh, whether it's, you know, carbs, proteins and things like that? You know, it's so dependent. It really <laughs> depends on the person and the situation. And I mean, I guess, it, yeah, it, it really depends. I mean, especially females, I'd say a majority of the people that I coach are females. There are different times in their cycle when they should be at different macronutrients as well. So there's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration. And it's not just a one size fits all kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if I always say, if there's one macronutrient you want to probably focus on, and I'm curious if you agree, it's probably protein. Oh, 100%. I I tell clients that all the time. Like (laughs) sometimes people are like, Oh, this is so many calories. Women and women have been taught for so long that they need to eat so little that they're eating not enough. Most women come to me and they can't lose weight and they're eating in this huge caloric deficit. And it's like, well, no wonder, you know, your body doesn't have what it needs in order to thrive. So anyway, but people have a hard time getting enough food in uh, more often than not. And what I say, I said, okay, well, here's what I want you to hit. I want you to hit all the protein macros. You're going to hit these We'll start with that and we'll start adding on everywhere else that we need to. But I said every day, I don't want to see you short on the protein macros. <laughs> yeah. And that can be tough for a lot of people. I actually find it tough sometimes for myself because I, I have probably one to two meals a day and, you know, sometimes getting in all that protein, you know, especially as you're getting older and to prevent sarcopenia, I, I work with a lot of middle-aged men, you know, 40 plus, and they're, I just see it over and over again you know, they're not getting enough protein in, especially once you start obviously resistance training and things like that. What are some good ways to get in that protein? Um, just some tips so people can, you know, kind of try to work towards that. Well, you know, it, I'm a huge fan of whole foods. However, I'm a huge egg white fan too. <laughs> like okay. you, you can catch me adding egg whites to just about everything just to get that extra little bit of protein in. Okay. Um, I mean, I think especially for me, um, with cycling and stuff like that, I have to have a lot, I'm trying to get a lot of calories in and I don't want them to be predominantly carbohydrates. So then I kind of have to do my filling with protein. Uh, and so I am a huge fan of egg whites. I do eat real eggs as well, because there's a lot of benefits that you cannot get from just egg whites when you eat a real egg. Um, but I'm a huge fan of adding egg whites to a lot of things too. So I, and I would much rather do that than some kind of protein powder or something that is packaged, highly processed. Uh, at least an egg white is an egg white. It's not, you know, 51 other ingredients. (laughs) So I, I do, I am a huge fan of egg whites. I do, um, try to keep like, I, I, I find, I mean, I've done intermittent fasting. I know you're a big fan. I, but the 
easiest way for me to get enough protein in is to incorporate it through several meals a day, because man, uh, especially as a female, when I try to eat within two meals, uh, as much protein as I need, it's just way too much for me to digest. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I definitely shoot for two meals a day. Cause I find that it's easier to get in, uh, enough calories and, and to get protein in. So, um, I would definitely, yeah, recommend that for most people. I think that's a good goal. Um, unless you're really training towards something or wanting to maybe even put on, put on some mass. Um, but, um, another thing I was going to say is eating around your workouts. How do you work that out? Is that something that I know, you know, it's been sort of, well, the past thought was you should chug a protein shake right after you work out. Um, I don't really think that's necessary. How do you, do you target things that you do around your workouts? You know, it's very dependent, I guess, for me. Yeah. I, I honestly, and this is just how I operate because I know my body pretty well. I honestly have seen myself in every stage and every athletic place in life. I've mm -hmm. gone from uh, elite bodybuilding to cycling to just kind of doing whatever. And, you know, throughout, I mean, the last 10 years of meticulously managing my food, I don't meticulously manage my food anymore. Right, <laughs> so right. if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. And, you know, it's almost detrimental because I, I feel like I did like a year of keto and I got super fat adapted. And I can tell you now, ever since I did that, I don't get hungry as easily. It's like my body can switch back and forth and it's totally happy. Whereas before when I was on a super low fat, low carbohydrate type bodybuilding style diet, I was starving to death all the time. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I eat when I'm hungry. I try to listen to my body. If I'm hungry, I eat, you know, I hopped off the bike this morning to jump on this podcast with you. I didn't eat breakfast yet. I grabbed myself a cup of coffee. Eh, probably when we're done, I'll have something, but it's, I don't, I think that our body will tell us if we, if it needs something. Yeah. I, I hear you. I've been, I'm the same way. I, uh, I would say I'm like, I would say I'm a fairly low carb eater. I think, I think it's a good place to be at least for me. Um, cause I find that especially in, in the middle of the day, if I have, you know, any type of carb, it'll sort of weigh me down. And I don't want to feel like that when it's 90 degrees out and it's hot and humid, like <laughs> you don't want to like, feel like you're sluggish. Um, you know, everyone's, like you said, everyone's a little bit different. Some people do rely more on carbs. Would you say that you're eating more? I know you were like a keto athlete for a while. Is that something you're continually doing still? You know, I go through phases. I haven't gone through a phase right now. I think, I think that's an important part of nutrition is going through seasons with your nutrition. I think that right. naturally that's what we used to do. And so I think staying any one way for a certain period of time is probably not the way we function. So I like to keep things switched up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I will disclaim what I said back there, as far as listening to your hunger cues, I know my hunger cues and I know where my body's at. So I'm able to do that. But now in society, like this intuitive eating push that's going on, a lot of people don't have the right hunger signaling going on. Their hunger signaling is really skewed because of their lifestyle or their previous dieting. Uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, even 
there's a lot of studies out there supporting like your gut microbiome influencing sugar cravings and things like that. So, um, a lot of people's hunger signaling is really skewed, especially those that do not sleep enough. So, uh, you can't always rely on that. That's something I just do myself personally, because I'm at a place where I can do that. Uh, and I understand a lot about food, but for a lot of the general population that is looking to, um, maybe lose weight or maintain, uh, I, I don't necessarily suggest that right off the bat until you know that your hunger signaling is accurate. Yeah, that's a good point because it takes time. A lot of times we're used to just eating based on the clock and, you know, you, like you said, it's a sort of a hot term intuitive eating. Um, but it, it, if you can get to that place, um, and it, it'll take, it could take time, right? Cause we get, we get, you know, used to saying, okay, you have to eat all the time and there's a Starbucks in every corner. And as long right when we get a little bit, I, I mean, I used to be the same way. If I had a little bit of a hunger cue, uh, from my body, I would just look for like, I don't know, some type of bar or something to eat. But I think part of it is sort of sitting in, in your hunger a little bit. Would you agree with me? Like in order to start, you know, riding out those hunger waves a little bit so you can eventually just start, you know, being in line with, you know, what is true hunger and what is it? Um, yeah, I think so. I, the thing is, is like, like I said, there's so many things that impact it. Right. And right. Then the intuitive eating push is huge right now. But the thing is, is most people have been intuitive, intuitive eating, if you think about it, and it's not really serving them well, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but yeah, I think being a little bit hungry is okay. Um, it's normal. And one thing that, you know, this is kind of hard to describe, but back in the day when I was eating this super low fat diet, bodybuilding diet, I was hungry all the time. But here's another thing. My blood sugar would drop like crazy. I mean, I would test my blood sugar and I'd be in the fifties and sixties. Mm. And I think that that's because I was constantly feeding my body every couple of hours. My body never understood that it could switch fuel sources and that I could burn my own body fat. So, uh, I think right. that, that I had never trained it at that point to go beyond a certain amount of time. And I don't, can't tell you how many clients I get where it's the same thing. They're like, Oh, my doctor told me I'm hypoglycemic. And it's like, are you really, or do you just not know how to be efficient with your own body's systems? because I think that is a big problem these days because we're so busy snacking and finding those bars and quick treats that we don't actually make our body have to be efficient in other ways. What would you say, this might be a loaded question, what would you say that the, the best way to get fat adapted and so that you can sort, you know, obviously the goal, I would think anybody is to rely on your own body fat for energy and, you know, you know, for fuel, what, what is the best way to get fat adapted? You'd say, you know, honestly, I think that you'd probably agree with me here is starting to just extend the amount of time in between your, your meals. So, mm -hmm. uh, that may look like getting done with a meal at 5 PM and not eating until the next morning. Because the thing is, is these people get told that they're hypoglycemic, but how the heck do they sleep all night? I mean, they're not eating every two hours at night. Your body is naturally going into a fasted state. So right. I think that, um, starting to ex extend the time in between, um, you know, and keto isn't a necessary thing for everybody, but, um, honestly, I think if you're in the right place, 
giving it a try for 30 days or eight weeks or something like that and seeing how well it serves you. You might be real surprised at the systems that it resets for you. Yeah, I think you you make a great point. Like I always talk about just eliminate snacking mm-hmm. is such a big one. Um, you know, if you're if you want three whole meals, that's completely fine. Um, I always say just a good rule of thumb is don't eat too, don't eat right when you get up and don't eat too close to bedtime. <laughs> but if you want to have three meals, that's great. But let's just start off and eliminate snacking. Um, so you can sort of like, like you said, your body can sort of adapt and realize what it's like to be like, maybe with your insulin levels a little bit lower. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's kind of funny. Um, the things that I start to see, on lab work too, when I start working with clients, um, you'll see, um, crazy, like super crazy high blood sugars in the morning when people don't sleep well, you'll see fasted insulin is super, super high when people don't sleep well. There's a lot of things that go on when people don't sleep well, uh, that also ties into satiety and, blood sugar and all these things. So you will have people out there that they want to try keto or something like that and they sleep horribly. And so it doesn't doesn't end up serving them well because their sleep isn't dialed in. So that's why I always say it depends. It, It takes a full evaluation of a person looking over all of their health markers and talking to them about what their lifestyle is before you can really make any suggestions on how to uh, fix something, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I think people want to jump to their food choices right away when there's other parts of their life aren't dialed in like stress and sleep and things like that. So that would be a good word of advice is start, start with that and then work, work back into your food choices. Um, because if you're not getting optimal sleep, it probably doesn't matter how optimally you eat, (laughs) you're, you're, you're not going to get great results. No. And stress too. I mean, stress is a huge killer. It causes so many things. Um, I mean, honestly, if somebody wants to look a little bit into stress, there's an amazing book out there. It's called why zebras don't get ulcers. Hmm. Highly, highly recommend it, but it talks about stress and the, and the process and how the, it affects your blood sugar. And you see so many people that get these stress induced diseases. Mm. Um, and we live in this society that is just so stressful in the first place, right? We're all trying to make ends meet. We're all working really, really hard and grinding our life away and, and then trying to exercise on top of it all. And sometimes that's just a huge recipe for a disaster. Um, and I can kind of use myself as an example there because back when I was really deep into the bodybuilding stuff, I had a very stressful job. I didn't sleep because I was so busy trying to work out and my body wouldn't lose weight. <laughs> like yeah. it, it just wouldn't. And, and I'm, I'm on a different level because I'm trying to get sub, you know, single digit body fat numbers. But the thing is, is it's like when you, you can start to see all these things show up. And I went through this successful, this really stressful career for so long that when I finally dumped it, I realized I slept better. I felt better. I recovered better. So many things, my weight would, I could lose weight without even dieting because I wasn't stressed. It affects a lot. It's a big, big player in the, in the health and weight loss game. And what, what, what type of things did you do to help, uh, improve, you know, improve your lack of stress, I should say. 
uh, some stress management tips out there. What would you, what would you say? Well, I mean, back in the day, I didn't have any good stress management tips. I, I was a huge train wreck, right? Okay. Uh, I was preaching like nutrition and all these things, but I didn't have the whole puzzle put together. Um, and then finally I was still doing my coaching. I was, I was working way too much. I was doing my coaching. I was, I'm constantly taking classes and doing self-development and, uh, and then also working this extremely stressful job. And one day I'm sitting at this job and I, I couldn't sleep and I felt horrible and all these things. And I was so scared to do it, but I was like, this job is going to kill me. Mm. My heart rate variability sucked all the time. Everything was horrible. And I was tr trying to optimize all these other places in my life, but my job stress was just too much. And I was like, I'm done. I, I don't care if I'm not making mega bucks anymore. I don't care if I have to live extremely minimally because I just quit my job. I, I was like, I have to take care of my health. What good right. is my having a great job if my health sucks? And you know, there's another thing that we have to look at. And that is we pay, I mean, think of it this way. We pay for these fancy vacations and these things. We work hard so that we can buy these things that are gratifying to us. Mm -hmm. Well, what is more gratifying than health? I mean, really? And yeah. I started flipping around my train of thought to like, I can make less money and have good health and be happy rather than grinding my life away at a stressful job. And mm -hmm. so I kind of had to change my way of thinking around that. And when I did pretty much everything changed. Yeah. I mean, I always, yeah, your, your best investment is your health. And if you're going to spend money, why not spend it on that? Because you could spend money on a lot of material things, but if you're not around to enjoy them, <laughs> It doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. And making less money is essentially spending money because you're not, I mean, you're not grinding your life away to try to make a bunch of money that you can spend on things that are gratifying when what's more gratifying than enjoying your life and your career. Uh, it may not pay as much, but Hey, you know what? I'm happy. It's paying me back tenfold. Right. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> one of the big stress, uh, things that I do, um, stress management tools I like to do is a little bit of meditation. I've been implementing that into my life. Uh, it's, there's so many great apps out there. I think there's a few like, um, you know, 10% happier, I think is one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyways, I, I, uh, I've been trying, you know, just 10, 20 minutes towards the evening. It's such a great hack to do because it not only will help with stress, but it'll also help wind you down and, and help you go to sleep. Um, do you do any meditation? Um, so I am not real good at meditating. I've tried it a ton of times. Oh, have you? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and it's funny. Um, I find for me, honestly, meditation can be in all sorts of different forms, right? right. And it can be sitting down, listening to music. Honestly, I think my meditation in life is Riding getting on my bicycle yeah. and putting my music on and just tuning out. That's all, the time that I don't think about anything. I don't think about clients. I don't, I just jam out. And there's a lot of, um, research out there supporting like singing, humming, listening to music, being really good for the vagus nerve. Mm. So I think we can find meditation in different ways. Uh, now that being said, 
I do focus on breathing. Right. So you don't have to be meditating in order to focus on your breathing. And I find that a lot of times, like when we're working on a computer or something like that, we're like, you'll catch yourself breathing really shallow and you're not paying attention. So I try to be very conscious about how I'm breathing when I'm working on the computer. So making sure that I'm taking long breaths in the nose and out the nose and, and totally filling up my diaphragm with belly breathing because uh, I, I, I don't know why we as adults get so used to breathing up high in our chest um, in these really short breaths it might just be our lifestyle and something that we, tr- but if you watch like a little kid, like a little baby or something, they breathe naturally down into their belly. Right. And we lose that over time for some reason. So I'm not a huge meditator. I am huge into breath work. I think it's really important. I incorporate it into a lot of my clients programming um, because I think it's a really important part that we're making sure that we get the right breathing, breathing patterns in. Yeah. And, and I've heard that from other people. It's sometimes meditation, I guess it's not for everybody, but the one thing I will say that I like about it is just staying present. Mm-hmm. If you could, whatever activity, if you could try to stay present, cause it's so easy to think in the past or think in the future. And I think it's just really like, it's a skill that if you can get it, it you can use that in so many aspects of your life. Absolutely. Um, So the last thing I wanted to touch on was, um, we talked about it. It's a question that I ask all my guests. And I asked you the first time around when we, when when I did my first interview, but what would you say a good tip for an individual that's getting up there, maybe they're past their forties or middle-aged and they want to sort of get back to what they were when they're in their twenties and thirties. Uh, what kind of tip would you give them to get the, the maximum results? Uh, I mean, it depends on what direction they're heading in. I, I hate being, I'm that into, I'm the, it depends girl, but, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think reducing stress and getting good quality sleep is a really great place to start. Um, yeah. you know, there, this, this sleep when you dead thing, when you're dead thing is not a, not a really great thing. Another thing is if you're just starting your health journey mm-hmm. and you're just, um, barely getting moving in the right direction. I, the first thing I do with people that's totally basic is remove gluten. And I know that sounds crazy, but it usually helps people get the ball rolling on their health journey because they all of a sudden realize when they eliminate gluten, how good they feel. Uh, so that's one of the, the little baby steps I use with a lot of my clients, especially people that are coming from a totally different lifestyle than where they're headed. Right. Cause gluten's pretty much in a lot of things, right? Like most grains. Yeah. It's in like, I mean, we're talking (laughs) barbecue sauce. Uh, I mean, the stuff isn't everything. And trust me, I have an extreme gluten sensitivity, so uh, I cannot do gluten. And let me tell you the things that I have discovered in gluten. (laughs) There's a lot like, I mean, sauces and salad dressings and all these things. So you're better off just if, if you're looking at things in the store, it's got to say, gluten-free and have that little GF on it. Otherwise I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Uh, (laughs) the other thing is, is things, things that have a label already are a scary thing as far as gluten goes. Right. So, you know, all your veggies, you're safe, (laughs) safe meat and veggies. It's a really great place to start, but yeah, removing gluten and getting good quality sleep and watching your stress is a really good place to start when it comes to jumping into a health journey. Perfect. Love that. Love that. Well, Connie, this was good. 
it went by fast. I appreciate you coming on and, um, yeah, hopefully the, the, the listeners got some good tips and, uh, well, I look forward to talking with you down the line. That sounds awesome, Brian. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hey, get lean, eat clean nation. Are you a man between the ages of 40 and 60 years old looking to lose inches around your waist, have significantly more energy throughout the day and gain muscle all while minimizing the risk of injuries? Well, I'm looking for three to five people to work one-on-one with in my fat burner blueprint signature program, which I've developed by utilizing my 15 years experience in the health and fitness space. This program is designed specifically for those committed to making serious progress towards our health goals over the next six months. We will focus on sleep, stress, nutrition, meal timing, and building lean muscle. If this sounds like a fit for you, email me at brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. That's brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.